You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective. Tonight we're talking East Carolina Pirate basketball. The Pirates were victorious in the season opener, uh, winning handily as you would expect, 91-61 to 61 over Division Three Fairham on Monday night. And uh, now to talk Pirate basketball, in addition to my co-host Matt Semento, we are joined by the longtime color analyst of East Carolina basketball, now ESPN+. Plus. Uh, he's been with the television side for a few years now. And welcome into the show, Cy Seymour. Cy, how are you? I'm good. It's good to hear from you, Bubba. Nice, Matt. It's nice to talk to you. Should be a good time. Absolutely, Cy. Uh, great to, to talk to you as well. And, you know, I'll just say, hey, guys, to start off this show, last night was a fantastic night because my ECU Pirates won a game. And, and the Knicks, my Knicks won on the same night, fellas. So it was like, you know, for me, a rare occurrence where that happens. But I was very happy about it. Yeah, it's good to see the Knicks win. I mean, when you're in the Mecca of basketball, you got to win over there in New York. You have to do that. No doubt. <laughs> That's hey, right. Now, Cy, every now and then um, I'll, I'll bring up Reggie Miller's performance at Madison Square Garden, and I'll get on Matt's bad side. <laughs> well, you certainly will. And, and listen, the Knicks, see, I go back because I'm older. I remember I was watching when Willis Reed came back on the court with Bill Bradley, Dave DeBusher, and Malt Frazier and that team, and the left-handed guard that was so good. I mean, I, I always love the Knicks because they love the game. They just have hit a bad run for a right good while, but they got to get it back over there. It's too good a pro. It's too. It's too. It's like the Celtics. You got to have the Knicks right there with them, and and the, and the Lakers. Just fun to watch. Absolutely, Cy. I'm with you 100%. Hey, you never know, right? Maybe uh, maybe this is the year where we start to turn the corner. We shall see, my friend. I hope so. I hope so. So, Cy, when it comes to the Pirates, uh, mm -hmm. such high expectations, um, isn't that great to see? And, uh, you know, 16 wins in year one under Mike Schwartz. This year, the Pirates picked fifth in the American preseason. Um, and and rightfully so with what they have returning, you know, what, what were the things that, uh, you know, coming into this season that you, that, that you really um, love to see. And then, and then uh, last night, sure. Um, you know, it wasn't nearly the performance that Mike Schwartz and staff would have, would have liked. Um, I guess some of that was, you know, from a fan standpoint, kind of predictable um, because, you know, you were playing someone like Fairham in Division Three, and I, I, I do think that that, that team will uh, fare better than they were projected in uh, their in their conference, the ODAC. But um, you know, East Carolina knew that um, it could get away with some things that it won't be able to uh, coming up in the near future. Yeah, I think you're right. And and, and here, when you play a Division Three school, they're going to be smaller. But the ODAC, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, is one of the great Division Three conferences 
in the country. It, it probably the best one. I mean, it, it's just a very good league. But what they do when you play teams like that, they're smaller. They spread you out, and your bigs don't guard them as well. I mean, I, I really think that's why you didn't see the really big guys play as much last night. They just we got one in for the a little bit down the stretch, but it's because there's no good matchups. It's, it's very very difficult to, to play those kind of teams, and and so, but overall. Uh, I, as far as the excitement goes, you know, you're, you've got 80 to 85% of everything coming back. I mean, when you look at the statistical data, this is a, and it's an upper class team. So I think there's a good chance that this team can be very good in this league. As you said, we're ranked fifth in the coaches poll. Now the other polls have it, don't have us as high, but when you, when you have the coaches poll at five, uh, that's a, that's a good sign for East Carolina. That tells you that they respect this league. And, uh, I, I mean, uh, the league respects East Carolina. And so I'm excited about that part of it. And I think they've got a chance to be pretty darn good. You know, Cy, just watching the game last night, I just I really got the sense looking at the personnel we have on this team and, and, and looking at all the guys, you know, you know the Feltons, LeCount, uh, Biella. It really just kind of popped to me. It looks like every guy on the roster has taken a step forward. And maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit on that just because it's the first game. But I do really feel like people look more comfortable on the floor in this system and look like, you know, Biel is a guy. He looked just more comfortable shooting the ball to me. You know, I, 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 it's funny that you said that. I, I'm a real, real fan of Ben. Uh, ben was a four-star recruit, hurt his knee, and went to junior college. And he's got it. They've just – they've taken a step forward. And I, and I told him before the game, I went out on the floor and I said, Ben, hit your shot, take your shots. Don't be scared because he, he is a good basketball player. And you're right. You got, you've got a lot of guys and then you said it right. They've all had playing time and that's big at ECU. A lot of these schools are getting five new guys in things along that line. We actually kept most of our top guys and we recruited two freshmen and then two uh, four-star in the portal, two four-star guys in the portal. So it was a really great year for Mark, Mike Schwartz to, to, first of all, retention, to keep it the guys that he kept, and then recruiting. And it, the retention is so important to keep those kids. And let me tell you, this summer we talked a lot. Everybody was on our kids. Everybody wanted our kids because we finished strong. And, and Coach Schwartz and his staff, they were able to keep them, and it was hard. So let's talk about the performance of Brandon Johnson. Obviously, his his game grew significantly uh, between his freshman or uh, yeah his uh, freshman season, uh, a rare situation where he was a freshman coming out of JUCO, but um, he grew significantly uh, prior to last season, uh, knocked down. A lot of perimeter jumpers, and and uh, he's he's appeared to uh, really take his game to another level. And I know Stephen Igo with Hoist of Color said in his off-season chats, uh, you know, with yourself and with Coach Schwartz and staff, um, that 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 was apparent. And uh, you know, heck of a start for Brandon, just uh, a rebound shy of a, a double double, twenty nine and nine. Yeah, I thought Brandon played extremely well. It's it's funny that we talk about this, uh, Brandon it was at Roseville High School. My son was at Wake Forest as the head basketball coach at Wake Forest. And, of course, he's, he's us, so he's looking for players for us. 
and and the cap eight. He says we should always. He said we should always offer the player of the year in the cap eight. Aim, uh, Moses Wright. Moses. Nobody was on him until late. We tried to get on him late when Lebo was there. He ends up going to Georgia Tech as the ACC Player of the Year. Nobody was on him. He was he was from Athens Drive. I mean, it, it, it is crazy how it works. Well, Brandon, nobody was on Brandon. We get on him, but we didn't. We weren't sure. And 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 I, I Todd was telling me he said, Dad, this kid's emerged late. He's grown out of high school. He grew to six seven, and he's shooting it good. And I, he said, he's a kid we should take a chance on. Well, the coaching staff liked him, and this was before Mike got there. Uh, Joe liked him. Joe, Joe, Joe did a really good job recruiting him. But he said, let's let him go JUCO, and we'll stay with him. So he went to Brunswick, and then we finally got him. After he went to Brunswick one year, it really came down to Old Dominion in East Carolina, and we got him. And he, he he could have easily have gone to East Carolina. I mean, to Old Dominion, and and like you said, he has emerged. He's grown up. He's gotten better because he was a late bloomer in high school, and and it, so it's a good pickup. Uh, so no, you're right, and and I think Brandon's not going to do anything but get better. He's going he's just going to get better. And uh, last night the shooting perform. I like that he can he can shoot it much better now. His range is really good. Uh, the only thing I worry about is putting it on the floor too much. He hadn't quite gotten there yet, but he's so much better than he was. And he is a great kid. He's a wonderful kid. So you're right, Matt, when you said what you said, and, and both of you, both of you are right on him. He he is he he is going to be uh, really good this year, I believe. He's a prime example of, um, you, you know, you saw him coming out of Brunswick, and when you get him, um, Obviously, you know the type of program that Old Dominion has had and uh, right. having been in the top 25 in the not-too-distant past. Uh, so that, that made me feel good about it, in addition to just trusting the, the evaluation of Joe Dooley and staff. But um, you, you just can't go by the stat sheet. Um, he, his stats um, you know, were what they were for, for a reason, and you know, look what he's doing now. No doubt about it. And uh... – that's the kind of kid, if you can develop, and in East Carolina does a good job of developing, if you can keep him. We didn't keep Elijah Hughes. That was one. If we could have kept Elijah, Mike Cook, we've lost some really great players that moved away from us uh, before the portal. But but anyway, uh, he, he has been, you know, he's one of those that has stayed. He likes it. We've kept Ozar for the second year. Ozar is a player. Uh, and, and, and but you know, I, I the guy we don't talk about enough is Walker. I'm telling you, Walker is a six five Iowa State four star recruit that came to us, and we get we get that kid, and we moved him to the point guard last year. And and Jaden, I thought changed our whole game. I thought Jaden Walker he can guard guys. He can guard one through five and never drop a never never misses a beat. He's a great defensive player. So we, there are a lot of pieces. DeBouge's a player. Ben Bayala's a player. Ozar's a player. I mean, all these guys, you know, you, you, it's fun to watch. Now, how it all works out, we're going to have to wait and see. LeCount It's a good player. And, you, and you, and you know, of course, you've got the young man, that Bobby Pettiford. It's a, it's so far, so good. Let's just see how it works out. 
Yeah, you know, Sai, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, when you watch them last night, I, th- I think we played 10 players last night. And, you know, one of the things that really jumps out to you is is the depth. And, you know, the fact that a guy like Walker, who, you know, he, he's, like you said, Iowa State transfer, just a big, strong defender. He can play multiple positions. He can guard multiple positions. I mean, you know, and then, you know, I wanted to ask you, Sai. I mean, it also appeared that these guys have done a lot of work in the weight room. They're, you know, physically they looked to me bigger and stronger. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, no doubt about it. Their strength coach is great. He does a good job with them. And, and what you just said too, don't underestimate what you said about they can they switch every they can switch every position because of what they are. You're right. They're all tall, all athletic. Except, except for the point guard account, they can switch out everything. They're all athletic, and it's going to help this team defensively because they can switch anything. And that's how they're planning on playing it when you get into bigger leagues. I think the kids that I really want to see, and we'll be watching, you will too. I want to see what uh, Callum Richard does and Sierra Malanga. They're six eleven, seven feet. They didn't get a lot of time last night. Callum did. Callum came in, and he played about four or five minutes at the end. But the size just didn't match up. I mean, you're guarding guys six foot four and you're six foot ten, and it's or six eleven. It's just a tough matchup. So they couldn't go with them much last night. But Azar and Brandon can guard guys that are six four, six five, and and Jane Walker can guard anybody. Felton can guard it. Here we're leaving. I, I feel bad. I'm leaving out Felton, who is second team uh, pre preseason. Uh, the American Conference. I mean, it's just a really talented bunch of kids. You referenced the athleticism of Ezra Asar. Um, you saw that on display last night, and um, and that was not uh, because of who the Pirates were, were playing against. Uh, you, you, you saw it all last season, and uh, just his ability to run the court at his yeah. size and uh, you know, the – uh, good, good hands. Um, some of the steals that that he had last night, and then right there, uh, I want to say is probably the last five to ten minutes of the game. He saved the ball in front of the the pirate bench in the corner of the court. That was uh, very athletic. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But running the court, I, I don't. I, I know you. You can remember when he got the dunk. You remember when he beat everybody down the floor and got the dunk on one of the plays. Yeah. Uh, look. Corgan told me, the coach for Ferrum, he said, one thing we can't allow is transition. He got up and he, he called that timeout as quick as he could because he beat everybody down the floor by 10 to 15 feet. Uh, and, and that's hard to do because he's running the 94 feet. He's coming from the baseline. He can fly and and uh, got it to him early. He, he beat everybody down and Corgan takes a quick timeout. We can't afford to have this happen. And it was a good timeout. I thought that I thought they did a nice job of trying to control it as best they could. But EC was just too big and too strong. But on the other side of it, Mike Swars and I, we texted each other this morning. I know he was disappointed in the defensive effort. It was too much, a little one-on-one on the offensive end, and I let me score. And uh, but that'll all change this week. You you got you got a good you've got a good Campbell team coming in, and and. Uh, that's something you've got to get straight. Yeah, we'll dive into the Camels here in a minute. Uh, they were 59-48 winners over Navy on opening night. Um, but, um, Sai, you've referenced him uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, ben Baiela, uh last year, 
you know, he shot the ball well from three in junior college, really struggled the first half to two thirds of the season, but he had that game down the stretch uh, in yeah. Minji's where he knocked down six or seven threes. Yes. And, uh, and it was great to see him get off to a good start, uh, uh, you know, feeling like anytime he shoots it now that it, it has a chance to go in. He, he knocked down a couple last night. Yeah. And, and look, everybody's still feeling their way. Think about last year. He's coming from a junior college and he's in the lineup. Quentin DeBouge didn't play a lot at Tennessee. So those kids, like, like we've been talking about, they are just coming in until they're like their sophomore playing ability, but they're older. So we could be hitting a really good thing here once they get used to it and get in the flow of it. Ben Bayala, and they're long. They're an athletic walker. And, you know, you can't beat these Felton. My goodness. I just don't know. And, and, and they, and the coaches know it, you know, uh, when, when you, when you talk to our coaching staff, they're going to tell you, this is a ball club that can really get it done. And, uh, all the coaches, all of them. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. You watch them play. Obviously, last night, you know, like Coach mentioned, not the best defensive performance. You know, I, I attributed a lot of that to first game of the season. Guys were really just amped up to play basketball in front of the home crowd. And, um, you know, sometimes that can just lead to some, you know, you gamble a little bit. Maybe you try to go for a steal and you miss it and then, you know, it leads to the extra pass and the defense breaks down. So well, I just attributed a lot of that to kind of like first game, guys were amped up. What are your thoughts on that, side? I think you're exactly right. I think I think what you're saying is exactly what happened. I think that, uh, that they wanted to get in passing lanes, they get beat a little bit, and, and they didn't block out because they were trying to get in the passing lane too much. So they get, uh, you know, we were out rebounding the first half. Because they were out, they were too far out and didn't didn't block out when the kid missed a shot. They were already by him, looking to go to the other end. It's all a part of first game, uh, and and so you get through it. You win by thirty, and you're still upset. But that's that really tells you a little bit about how good this East Carolina team is. I, I agree with you completely on that, and I just think it's going to get better. It's just going to. To, to, we'll, we'll have a good test this week because you're going to be playing a team that plays deliberate. They take their time, so that's going to be interesting. The, the, the thing I look at a lot, too, guys, is the league itself. It is going to be a crazy year. I mean, you got FAU with all five starters back. Memphis is Memphis. Tulane is good. Uh, it, it is a crazy league. you got five new coaches coming in, so – and all of them really good. All of them upgrades. I mean, these are all good coaches coming in. Uh, so it, it's going to be a good league to watch. And I think we can be in the thick of it. I think we can be in that top five. So I know on, on last night's broadcast, um, I know uh, Michael Perry was a little surprised that uh, Caleb LeCount got the start at at point, he, he said he was expecting it to be Jaden Walker, uh, giving, given, um, you know, Bobby Pettiford's health situation, and Bobby was able to play 18 minutes. It didn't really seem like that uh, as the game went on, and it seemed probably closer to 10, but uh, I was surprised at that when I looked at the box score after the game. You had Caleb play 23, and then Jaden Walker didn't shoot a lot, but he, he was very productive 
um, I think three out of four from the floor. And then as always kind of like he did last year, you know, um, stuff in the stat sheet. Yeah. I get you. You're right. So, so um, just kind of that three headed monster, if you will, uh, at the point guard position, you know, just, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts there? And, and as Bobby Pettiford continues to get um, back to where he needs to be. It's, uh, it, first of all, I'm like Mike Perry. I, I was surprised that Walker didn't start at the point. Nothing gets by Michael Perry. And I, and I want, I want people to understand uh, he, he does a great job on the air, but also he did a great job at East Carolina as a coach. He, he is a good, good man. And, and there were some tough times that he had to take over the leadership, and he was tremendous. But I was like him. I was surprised that Walker didn't start the point. But it all worked out. Now, Bobby Pettiford, uh, again, that goes. That's a, that's a Joe Dooley recruit. Joe was on him early. Uh, I, this is a great story. Joe was on him and had him. And then Louisville came in and got him. And, and so he goes to Louisville. They fired a coach. Kansas picks him up. Well, but I want to tell you what Bobby did, this kind of person he is. When he decided to go to Louisville, he drove back up from his home in, in, in the Piedmont area and, and came with his mom and dad and said, Coach Dooley, you recruited me harder than anybody else and you did the best job of recruiting me. But I've got a chance to go to Louisville in the ACC. But I want to tell you that. And Joe, Joe told me, this story. Joe's the one told me this. And Joe said, if he wants to come back to East Carolina, I'll take him because he, he, he was honest with me. He let me know I worked hard to get him. And so what happens is he goes out there and, and I, I told Mike the background. I said, Mike, if he gets in the portal, he's going to want to come to us. And he put his name in the portal and, and uh, Mike recruited him hard, Mike Schwartz. And he got him this summer and, his problem is he's got a he's got an aggravated hamstring, and you got to be careful with that. Last night he he tweaked it a little bit, and he's so competitive he didn't want to tell anybody. He doesn't want to tell anybody, and so you know you got to watch it close. And, and Coach Schwartz he went down and made a layup, and he came up and he took a timeout and pulled him out as quick as he could. He he doesn't want him to get hurt. Uh, he told me he would go like, he thought he might get about 20 minutes is what he did. And, he, and that's about what he got. But uh, coach Schwartz is watching him close. And, but the great thing is LeCount played well, but you got Walker. And I, I wish we could get Cam Hayes. I just don't, I don't see it happening. They, I ask every day when I see him, I don't see that happening right now. We'll just see what happens. Yeah. That's a, that's a great story. Sigh about Pettifer because you see this so often now in college sports, not just basketball, but football too, where, you know, kids will commit to a school and then, you know, Hey, maybe they get an offer from an AC school, like an ACC school, like in this case. And then they, they, they just kind of ghost, you know, the coach, right, that spends, right. you know? And so that says a lot of, to me about character. Um, that, you're you right. Know, I love, I love to hear that story. I really, well, did. he had, it's, it's funny that you're saying it that way. Cause, that's what it meant to Joe. He had another one that he really recruited strong, and the kid just didn't say anything to him, and all of a sudden he signed with an ACC school, and he said, I'd never take him. Another kid. He said, I won't call the kid out, but he said, I'd never take him. 
but Bobby, I would take. And I, you know, you're exactly right. Joe said the same thing. He said it took character to drive back in here with his mom and dad and talk to me. And so I would take him back. And and you're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, like you're starting to hear this term float around college sports more and more. You know, when people talk about recruiting and you hear about it, they, I, I, I hear it called bounce back recruiting. And, and this is a perfect example. Like you might miss on a kid first, but hey, you leave things in good terms. And guess what? In two years, and this is for football too, maybe, maybe if that kid goes into the portal and now you have a chance to get him back. So it's a, I think that's going to be a big part of college basketball moving forward, just the way kids are hitting the portal. I agree with you. It's exactly the way it's going to be. And I think we've got to see the other thing is we've got the right staff that will do that. You know, not everybody has, you know, you get a, you get a guy that says that's kind of old and, you know, in set his ways and he doesn't move on this kind of stuff. Mike Schwartz knows how to work the system and, and do it the right way. And all of his staff does too. It's a great staff. I mean, they really are. So they are really, really good at it. All, 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 the, all four coaches that are in it are really good. We appreciate folks chiming in on Facebook and YouTube tonight. Uh, Johnny Robertson says that last night's uh, 30 free throws, East Carolina was 30 out of 39, and that was the first time since 2015 against um, when it occurred against UNC Wilmington that the Pirates had converted 30 free throws in a game. And uh, um, that's a game – in which you, know, you expect the Pirates, and because of the athleticism and talent gap, to get to the line a lot, and they did, and to their credit, they knocked them down at a 77% clip. Yeah, they did a nice job from the line, and like you said, the, 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 the size differential, they have to they at least have to try to, 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 to affect the shot, and they're just not big enough, and they foul you on it. And, and you're at home, you're the big boy, it's, it, you know, it's a pay game. Uh, you get more calls at home. I, and I don't mind saying that on air because that's just the way it is. They, they don't they don't pull for you, but you're at home. You, you, you know, it's just part of the game. So, Si, looking ahead, um, Pirates with the first Division One game of the season with Campbell coming in, a 2 o'clock tip-off on ESPN Plus on Saturday afternoon. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Camels were victorious over Navy, 59-48 on Monday night. Um, they were picked, um, you know, and we know how you know preseason projections don't always amount to a whole lot. But um, for what it's worth, um, for our viewers and listeners, they were picked 12th out of 14 in the CAA um, last year. They're right around 500, and um, I know they uh, lost that Big South championship game, um, the league they were in at the time to um, a very good UNC Asheville team. So um, making that transition to the Colonial, you know, what are your thoughts about Kevin McGeehan's ball club? It's hard to believe he's been there 11 years now. Yeah, McGeehan's done a good job. You know, he, 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 he he's a really good recruiter. He's going to play the Princeton style is what he does. I mean, Navy had 18 points at the half. He, he is going, and, and he has six or seven international players. He, 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 uh, he's got really good contacts in the international game. Uh, they come over and they play in the Philadelphia Catholic Leagues, and he's got real good contacts up there and does a good job recruiting. And he's done that. And listen, he's really done well in the other league. Now, he's getting ready to go in the CAA, and that's, 
that's a, that's a step up for him. So that's why he's ranked down there. But if they'll give him time, he'll adapt and get the talent he needs. Uh, I think it's going to be a good basketball game, and I think it's real important to East Carolina to set the tone early and make the pace be early. I would be. I don't know what they'll do. That we may press them a little bit to try to get them in an up and down game some because you don't want them to sit in the half court game and do what they want to do. Uh, I th- this is the American. We are a good American team, uh, and it's, so it's a game that we should we should try to really get take advantage early. Sai, when you look at this team and the personnel, is that is that what they want to be? Do they want to be the type of team that gets up and down the floor, gets out in transition, and 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 you know, kind of a plays in that half court secondary? Um, what, what do you think when you look at the personnel on this team? Oh, ECU, ECU. Yeah, yeah, yes. No, he's going to want to run it, and he's going to really. They are going to play. Tough man-to-man de- defense. It, it, it make no bones uh, with this staff, and you got one of the top coaches in the country. Mark from Texas Tech is just that good, and they do things that on a different level. Both of them. I'm talking about both of those coaches, Mark and Mike. When they're talking defensive, they have they have different areas, and they talk. You know, everybody. I, I mean, I grew up with the shell drill. I ran it every day. They run it a little bit different. They do different things in it. And and they're going to want to get up and down. They're going to want to take the good shots if they can, but we're going to be very physical in the half court. And I think they're going to run at any time they can run. Sorry, uh, this is Kyle. I'm just joining the show. So uh, forgive uh, me repeating anything that's already been said or, or discussed. We'll um, forgive you. We'll forgive you. How about that? I, I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> hey, hey he, he, just said, he just said, get on the baseline. <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah, no, y'all yeah, yeah, don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to see anything right now with this giant hernia I have. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, no. So I, I um, you you mentioned earlier. I uh, caught the telling of you said we are American. We are an American team. Right. Indeed, we are. To me, you know, we've had pieces before. To me, this is the first time since we've been in this conference, and to me, this conference is just as good as it was. It may be better. It may be deeper. Uh, than it was before. It was top heavy before, but I think it's deeper now. Um, I, this is the first time since we've been in this league that we are indeed an American team. I agree with you. I, it, it, you know, and I miss him already, Jeff Charles. Uh, we did it for 23 years together, and I've done this for two, so this is 25 years. But Jeff and I always used to say, we need to look like one of these teams, and we do. And, and, and we match up physically. It's not even that we do we don't look like, we not only look like it, we're physically talented enough to be in this league. And I think that's what the coaches knew. You're right about the league. When I look up and when you when you look last year, FAU finished with a 17 RPI and they were better than that. Memphis is a 20 RPI. I mean this this league has teams that are all really really good as far as. When you're talking about 353 teams, listen, North Texas last year was 31st. So they're there in the 10th percentile of teams in the country. You, you know, you know, you talked about that before. Charlotte's been to a Final Four. I mean, so this is a really, really, it's a, it's a good, solid basketball. The one that surprised me the most that's gone downhill quick is Tulsa. And they'll get it back. Conkle's a good coach. But uh, Wichita State, Paul Mills is coming over from uh, – uh, or Roberts, 
they're not going to stay down. They're just not going to do it. They've got money and they're going to get good. Andy Kennedy, so many things that are good going on in this league. You, I think, I think you're right. I think it's deeper than it's ever been. Uh, uh, look, Tulane, I'm leaving out Tulane. Ron Hunter's built a powerhouse down there. They're picked third in the league. So it's, it's just a really, really top league. And it's hard. I mean, if you're fifth, you can probably play most teams in the country. If we finish fifth, we won't be a, we won't have to back down from anybody. That's and that's the American Conference. Yeah, you know, and, and just looking at it from a from a standpoint of postseason success last year, you got you know you mentioned Florida Atlantic Final Four team, Memphis. I, I can't remember if they were second round they went out maybe first round. I yeah. don't remember. Um, uh, North Texas won the NIT. UAB played for the NIT championship. Charlotte won the CIT. And that's not even talking about Wichita and Temple. And you mentioned Tulsa and SMU's here for one more year. Um, you know, it, it's, and, and you mentioned Ron Turner and Tulane, their 20 plus win team last year. And then you got the Pirates, and, and we got so many pieces back, added a couple pieces to the puzzle. And yeah, th- this league is incredibly deep. And if we do manage to finish fifth, um, you, you wonder, you know, what kind of postseason play you can get exactly. in this league. I, I think the fifth place team in this league definitely deserves NIT, but that's yet to be determined. Well, I think they do too. When you looked up at, you know, we talk about the NIT last year and those teams that went in at UAB. Let, I did a little bit of homework on that. When UAB went in one bracket, North Texas went in the other. In UA, in Texas, North Texas bracket were Florida, Oregon, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, and Villanova, and they went. They won it. Okay, that's North Texas. In on the other on UAB side, it was Rutgers, Clemson, Vanderbilt, and Michigan. That's the teams they had. You know, we belittle these things. No, that's a big time tournament, and those two teams are the two teams that came out on top of that of that that group of schools. And of course, like like you said, North Texas won it. But both teams are in our league now. No, you're right. I mean, if you make the if you make the NIT and you're in this league. You can win the NIT. It's it's that and and listen, that's that's not anything to take. See, we get called up. Football is taking about eighty, you know, 42, 84 teams, you know, out of 130. They're taking 70 to 80 percent of the teams. Basketball is taking 64 out of 353. You know, it's no comparison. When you get to where we're the teams that make these tournaments, it's hard. Yeah. And, and they're good. Si, I wanted to ask you, you know, just looking at East Carolina, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I mean, one of my concerns or, or just, I guess I wouldn't say a concern, more of just a question mark that I have looking at this team and, you know, just kind of thinking ahead to a, to a tight conference game. You're in the final two minutes of the game. It's lockdown defense and you really need perimeter shooting. You know, I, I think that's to me kind of like what makes or breaks great teams in college basketball now is how well you can shoot it from the perimeter. What would you say is a good number? Or where, where would this team want to be percentage wise from behind the arc? You know, yeah. when the season yeah. is over, what, what is that number to you? Well, I, I always say it really comes down if you're good, you defend and stop one or two, two threes. <laughs> And you make one or two threes. I mean, that's how you are on it. When you get to this level, 
It's that you have the ability, and we have that ability with our length, to defend and maybe hold down one or two threes. Now, what does it take? I think if you can get close to 40, 38 to 40%, you've had a really good year. But do you hit them at the right times? And you just hit a big point. Do you have the clutch guy? Do you have – Cam Hayes is the clutch guy, and I don't know if we're going to have – I know he's one of them. I, I know that because I've seen him too many times. Now, can these other guys do it? I think they can. We've got you, – you're hitting a, a really valid point. We'll see. Can Brandon knock him down at the end? The other part, at the end of the game, when you get to two, two to three minutes, can you protect the basketball, not turn it over, and can you knock down the free throws? Uh, and that's another point. Kristen Newton was a, a unbelievable. Tristan Newton was unbelievable at it. That's why you know he gets a he gets a, a the double double in the national championship. He's going to knock them down right, when he was playing for UConn. I mean that that's the kind of kid. And, and I think we have them. I think we've got kids to do that. But you're hitting points in the growth process of your program. The kids have to learn to play under that kind of pressure. Yeah. Now, Sty, obviously, um, many Pirate fans are familiar with Cam Hayes, you know, whether it's from his days at NC State. You know, he's from Greensboro, right. went, uh, went to LSU when he left uh, the Wolfpack. But, uh, you know, tell our, our fans – who may not be as familiar with Cam Hayes, you know, what his game is like. I, kn I know uh, just looking at a stat sheet, and uh, I'm sure I saw him play, but obviously um, wasn't really tuned in to, to uh, NC State uh, the way I would be East Carolina basketballs. No, no, but exactly. no. but seeing, seeing eight points per game across three years, two in the ACC and then one in the SEC is pretty impressive. Yeah, and the other part about it, now you got to understand, he was at Greensboro Day, which is a well-coached team. So he's well-coached. And what? And, and I'm with you. When you play in the SEC and the ACC as a freshman in the ACC and you averaged eight, he, he has it. He has the game. Uh, and I've been able to watch him this summer and even in the, in the fall because I'll go over any time. And I'll watch him. He can shoot it and he can lead. And I just don't think he's going to be eligible. I, I, just, I just don't see them doing it. But if he does, you got a big piece of the puzzle right there. Now, I think, look, Bobby Patterford is that true point guard. He's a guy that when it comes to the end of the game, he seals the game. He did it in high school, and he can do it on this level. You know, so we've got the pieces there. But I can tell you, like you were talking about the threes at critical times. Cam Hayes is an off-the-ball shooter, or he can play the point. But but he's not there. So I know I'm saying stuff, but if he gets eligible, that, that takes us up another notch, a guy that can do it. I think you've got Brandon. R.J. Felton will do it. R.J. RJ will score. It might not be a three, but I'm telling you, what he did against Cincinnati down the stretch last year, Mike Mike Schwartz posted him at the high right in the middle of the foul line, and he just took over against a tough, rugged guard from Cincinnati that had transferred in from Michigan, and he was really good. And, and RJ just took him to the cleaners. And and my point is, so Felton can finish for you. Now, can you stop the three at the other end? Can you defend it? Can you knock down that one three that you need? It's a it is a critical point. And I wish I could answer it, Matt, because we, we'll find out. We will find out. <laughs> Absolutely.
Hey, now, Si, we're going to bring in a guy who uh, you're certainly familiar with, and that is the voice of the Camels and an assistant AD there in Bowie's Creek. Um, welcome back to this show, Chris Haymeyer. Chris, we appreciate your time this evening. There you go. You're, Chris, you're on mute. Sorry, guys. I said hi. I said everybody's name and said hello. And hi to you, Cy. How are you doing? Oh, I, I said, look, I'm, I'm ready, Chris. I, I mean, I've had, uh, I've had two, uh, I have two crowns put on today. I said, I've got to stay on long enough to talk to Chris. <laughs> I, I have to at least speak to Chris. Yeah, guys, you've got one of the best guys in the world. I'm just telling you, he's a tremendous sports announcer, and he knows how I feel about him. He's one of the best. I look forward to seeing it. And, and Chris, you know I'm going to call you during the week. <laughs> we're going we're going to kidnap him and keep him in Greenville while he's here. <laughs> I, I'll probably call him either third. I'll be calling him to ask him about him, and I'll tell him about us because we go back a long ways. And yes, we do. Yes, we do. Thank you, Cy. Uh, can't can't wait for it. Have I a good even. one, man. Sorry you had to wait on for so long. The, uh, the the Campbell University spam filters are are our next level all of a sudden. So I apologize, guys. Guys, I'm late. Well, listen, you have a good have a good time with these guys. They're wonderful, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, buddy. All right. See you later, Cy. Good Appreciate night, Appreciate it, Cy. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Thank sir. you, Cy. Uh huh. Chris, um, as I said, welcome back. We appreciate your time as always. We saw the Camels were victorious on Monday night in the opener, 59-48. And one of the things that really jumped out to me about um, Kevin McGeehan's ball club as he is in his 11th season is the way the Camels uh, won despite having 16 fewer shot attempts than the midshipmen. Yeah, right. Uh, it, it helps when you shoot. Uh, 53%. This is like a lot of teams, you know, at the, at the mid-major level uh, really new because of the, because of the portal. So I think everybody was really interested to see how this team w was going to turn out. And, and, you know, that's, you know, that's coach McGeehan's style to play good defense, to be able to be very efficient in your possessions where he always uh, uh, ranks near the near the top of it. Now, now you'll see when it comes to tempo and the advanced analytics that his team will always be uh, one of the last few in the nations. But if you take good shots and you play good defense, you don't have to have um, as many possessions. And it's something that, that he learned at Richmond when they were having all their success and built that program there. And he's brought it here um, to Campbell. And, and we saw it again last night as they, as they opened up the season to beat Navy um, shot 52%. Scored 59 points, but uh, but that was enough, and that's how they they win some games, and they're and they're going to win a lot of games um, like that this year. So it'll be it'll be really interesting, guys, because this is a this is a good start of the season to really see what Campbell has. You know, starting off against a Navy team that they're they're trying to find their way uh, right now. They have a lot of new pieces, um, but it's a but it's a Division One team from another mid major conference, and then of course going up uh, a, a couple of notches to see what uh, ECU has in Greenville. And then next week at this time, Campbell will be taking on Virginia Tech. So it's a good, it's a good stepping stone here in the first week of the week of the season to see, to see really what Campbell has in, in this, their, their first year in the CAA. And Chris, I talked about the, the heavy international influence on this Camels roster. 
you had one of those pieces, um, six four senior, last night. Uh, you know, he, he really stepped up. He had started all thirty four games a season ago, if I'm not mistaken, but um, averaged what three and a half, four points a game. Last night he had sixteen. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you're talking about Gidimus Moksekis, and um, I tell you what, you really have to pay attention to the pronunciation guide um, for a play-by-play guy at the beginning of the year. It's tough, but they've had say that five real times success. fast, Chris. Well, yeah, what was no. <laughs> okay, so uh, for the for the first time, and for for on this show, I'll say I'll say Gidimus Moksekis. Um, you do, and you'll it up. With, but I tell you what, when when I'm doing play-by-play after that, he becomes G which is how he's known um, for everybody on the team. So that's the key too. You have to give the guys from Lithuania nicknames and it helps you um, and it helps you call a fast break a lot, a lot easier. Um, the, we, we've had success overseas and, and quite frankly, guys, you know, I think a lot of other mid majors in college basketball um, until we really kind of figure out this uh, this transfer portal a- a- on the basketball side a- until it calms down. I think places like Campbell, um, if they want guys to come and build and and if they want guys to, to, to stay, you're going to have to have some international flavor. Now, for Campbell, it fits right into what they're wanting to do. We're not taking these guys internationally just because we know that there's a better chance that they'll that, that they'll stay. Um, we're taking them because the European game fits right into what I described Campbell basketball as being it's, uh, it's the Princeton. Don't call it the Princeton offense based in Princeton fundamentals. So to that, you need guys uh, that can think on the fly. You need guys that can shoot and dribble and cut. And, and that's the European game. Um, these guys come in and they've played, you know, the rules, uh, overseas are, are a lot different. A lot of these guys play in quote semi-pro leagues when they come out instead of an AAU circuit, they're playing semi-pro basketball with guys that have played professionally and gotten paid. And, and our, our star, Anthony Del Orso, who was the player of the year in the big South last year, he came in and he had an old man's game. And I mean that in a, in a really good way. And he had success in division one college basketball right away and when you started talking to him down in Australia, when he was a, a teenager, um, a middle schooler through a teenager, he played in a club where the top team, which is one that he played on in high school, was one that had some guys that, that had a cup of coffee in the NBA or the G League or, or, or were 35-year-old guys that had played for a decade in Europe. So, so here was a guy that was 16, um, like a lot of these European players that are playing against grown men. And they and they learn a lot about it. You have to take a little bit of a chance on these guys. Anthony Delorso uh, uh, didn't have but one other Division One offer, and he turned into a really good player. So, so, so this year, if you look at it, I'm not going to read off all their names because I don't have uh, the pronunciation guide in front of me right now, and it's early in the season. But, but, but we have a couple of guys from Turkey. Um, we have a guy from England. Uh, we have a guy from Australia, like I said, and Delorso. Two guys from Lithuania. And the, and the big one this year, um, the transfer from, from, from Russia, Alex Kotov. But he's 6'10", he's 230, and I tell you what, man, he can play, and, he, and he's going to make an impact, impact in the CAA. So, you know, this, this coaching staff has done a good job of, uh, of figuring out what kind of guys can play in the system, and the European player fits right into that. 
Chris, when some of the European guys, just this is an ignorant question, probably I should know the answer to this, but I don't. Um, when they're recruiting European kids, obviously I'm assuming they're relying a lot on game film, phone calls, and Skypes. I'm assuming they're not flying to Lithuania and Moscow. No, um, you're you're absolutely right. Um, the it's a it, it's a combination of some things, but. The great thing is now, you know, everybody takes that, you know, we're on it right now, takes uh, takes the fact that you're doing video conference calls. That's not so odd anymore. So you can get a really good feel for a guy over this and the and the and the kids are used to it now. And you're right, since, you know, they have been playing in these semi in these semi pro leagues, there's a lot of film and a lot of good film against, like I say, again, grown men. Uh they usually will um, do everything on Zoom for the most part, but also, too, what we have seen with these European players that maybe don't have the resume to get to Division One right when they turn right when they turn 18, the Gidimus Moksekis, who we were uh, discussing his name and the guy that was a leading scorer for Campbell last night and has really been a off-and-on starter for his four years here, he played his final two years in Philadelphia at a prep school. So you see some of those guys come over and do that. And then you see some guys like one of the best freshmen we've had here since, since Chris Clemens, Anthony Delorso. He set foot in Bowie's Creek for the first time after a, uh, after a 24-hour plane ride that got him from Australia um, here, here to Bowie's Creek. So sometimes it works like that as well. What is the uh, – I'm assuming for some of these guys, this is their first trips to America – uh, maybe not for some of them because of basketball. Maybe they played over here. Um, just from I, I don't know how much you're around the guys. Um, who 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 is having the uh, the most trouble adjusting to North Carolina culture, if you will, or have you noticed? Because everybody kind of you, you got such an eclectic group there. They kind of all kind of probably hang out together. Yeah, and, and and Kyle, that's exactly right. And and that's something that you know once you get a few guys to to buy in and to and to make this place a home. They love it. You know, Anthony Del Orso was a guy that um, he went to Butler on a visit. He went to Marquette on a visit. Um, he went out to he went out to um, UC Santa Barbara on a, on a visit. And this was after after his freshman year in, in the transfer portal. He put his name in the transfer portal. He said, like, I'm sure everybody does. Hey, there's a chance I'm going to come back. And he came back. And one of the reasons he came back, even though he was, you know, being courted by, quote unquote, you know, bigger schools, higher profile schools, was because he had this built in family. Even though he's from Australia, he he really bonded with the with the Lithuanians. And this is maybe um, uh, one time where Bowie's Creek, where Campbell University is um, a small town, not too terribly far away from a lot of stuff, but it is a small town in, in a rural area. I think that this is a time where it's a little bit of a recruiting advantage because it's not like we're putting them at NC state in the, in the middle of Raleigh, or it's not like they're playing at St. John's um, in the middle of New York, or even, you know, someplace like Greenville, which we all have been caught up in the, in the bright lights and the, and the speed of uh, downtown uptown or whatever you guys are calling it now, Greenville, you know, that, would probably be a lot from a kid from Lithuania that has never been to the United States, but in Bowie's Creek, people take care of each other. It's a little bit of a slower pace. It's all about the basketball. 
The classes are small as well. So these guys come over and, and there's guys like uh, the, the, this one you're going to love too. We call him LV, but Lorenus Vesteris, who is a Lithuanian that, that came at the same time as Gidimus Moksekis, he was a guy that didn't know a whole lot of English, but he was in class sizes of, of 25 to 30 and not 500 to 1,000. And he's been here for four years now, and he's really, really contributing. So it's really been fun to see this, the, this many United Nations in a real small town in rural North Carolina. These guys truly thriving and truly living. You know, we have guys that, that, that could play someplace else, but they chose to play here. And that says something about, you know, the university and, and the basketball program that, uh, that our head coach, Kevin McGeehan, has put together. So, Chris, I mean, you've talked about Del Orso, Mokthekas. Uh, I noticed Mason Grant had 11-5 and five, uh, last night. You know, uh, Tell us about some of those other key contributors on, on this roster. I know last year, uh, as we discussed with Cy Seymour, um, this, this was a team, or, you know, a program, rather, that uh, you know, nearly advanced to the NCAA tournament, came up just shy against UNC Asheville, a tremendous Bulldogs team. And um, a little surprising to me, uh, despite it being a step up in competition, that the Camels were picked 12th out of 14 in the CAA. But uh, what, what can you tell us about the rest of this roster? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Mason Grant. That's another, that's another story and I think a blueprint of, of, of what schools like Campbell will need to do um, in, this, in this portal era. Uh, Mason Grant was a guy that came in and he redshirted. And uh, that's a that's something you don't hear in basketball, especially if you're going to redshirt. It wasn't because of an injury. He just simply wasn't ready to play at this level in this pro in this program. But he redshirted last year. Um, He was going to play some considerable amount of time off the bench, but he was in and out of injury. So he didn't really play a lot last year, but he knew what was going to happen this year with uh, with graduation and losing some some key pieces from that team that made that great run the year before. And um, and 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 he came off the bench and and really, really did a good job and contributed. There's a lot of guys that have talent that have been waiting their time. Brock Bidwell is a guy that probably would have been our starting point guard last year. He was an all state player uh, in Georgia. If he if he wasn't 5'11", he would probably be in a in a group of five uniform right now. And he's a guy that's that, that that's going to contribute. But really. It, it, it centers around Anthony Delorso. I mean, I mean, he is a guy that can pass, that can shoot, that can drive. He can play above the rim. Again, you know, he was making visits to, you know, to, to, to places like Butler. I mean, it tells you um, a, a little bit about the kind of guy um, that he was and, and, and what an important piece he is. It's interesting that you, that you mentioned the CAA, Bubba. Um, you know, this is a league that is um, very physical, full of talent, you know, last year, uh, college of Charleston, that they were in the top 25 and, and in the mix for an at large bid, um, UNCW, um, they're back on the upswing, um, pirate fans, very familiar with them, but then it's a lot of Northeastern schools that are really good. So Campbell coming in a team that has had some tournament and postseason success, but, uh, only one conference title in the last 10 years, I think it's an appropriate place if you don't know much about the Camels to put them. But the interesting conversation that's been going around Campbell and what I've been telling um, a lot of people in this, what is a little bit of a rebuilding year in a better conference, I'm telling people that that this fits right into 
to Campbell's offense and, and why they have had so much success in MTEs, the multi-team events, usually around this time of year in November, and then in the conference, conference tournaments. They've been to the conference tournament finals uh, three times in the last seven years, and this is a team that can make runs. And, and with that offense that is so hard to defend because it's the backdoor cuts – and it's the dribbling and it's the no real patterns and you really have to defend them for the entire shot clock. That is a very hard thing to prepare for if you have a day between tournament games or even no games, or no days between tournament games. And why Campbell has a lot of time without getting a buy in these tournaments have made these long runs, made it all the way to the championship game uh, in the Big South tournament last year. And in the CAA, because you have to travel to the Northeast at times and teams have travel partners, you're playing the majority of your conference games on Thursdays and Saturdays. And that leaves just one day for your second opponent to to come on and, and to really basically have a walkthrough to get prepared for you. So I truly believe this year that this is going to be a team that's going to have some talent and will gel as the year goes on. You might not be very impressed with their record on a difficult schedule in November and December, but I think they're going to get a lot of teams they're quote-unquote underdogs against, both home and away, when they play those Saturday Saturday games on the road. I'd be surprised if they finish, you know, 12th or 14th in the, in the CAA, but also know that this is a program and this is an athletic department at the top of the Big South, knowing the step up to the CAA was going to mean you know they're gonna they're gonna have to grow and build and do what they did when they moved into the Big South Conference. They started in the middle and they got all the way to the top. It's a great place for Campbell to land um, with basketball, football, and so many other things in the CAA. But it's but it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time to get adjusted and and to do what we need to do to get to the top. You mentioned UNC Wilmington. You also obviously have North Carolina A and T. You have Elon. Man, the Phoenix last night, they really had Wake Forest on the ropes uh, in the first half, what led by 20 or 21, led by uh, 55-43 score at halftime. And then, uh, you know, 45 minutes later, I checked the score. I I couldn't believe it when I saw, you know, Wake it outscored them 58-23 in the second half. Yeah, it it turns in a hurry, doesn't it? Um, Especially when you're playing those – when you're you're playing those – the, those power five teams and and early in the season, guys, I mean, pay attention to the scores in this next, you know, in the next week or so. I, you know, n- nobody knows what anybody is right now, even even at the power five level with, with so many newcomers and, and, and so many transfers, I think. Whether it's good or bad, and look, you know, I, I think the student athletes should be able to, to to go where they want to go. I don't know if it's the best overall um, for for us basketball fans, but you know, with all these with all these free agents out there and all these teams, you know, acquiring, uh, you know, acquiring talent. I was talking to our coaching staff as they were trying to put together the schedule back in the spring, and they said it's so difficult to put together the schedule because look, we we all know how it is, you know. You're you're trying to get some wins. You're trying to get some 50-50 games. You're trying to get some. You're trying to get some games that you'll be underdogs in. That will pay you a little bit of money. And 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 usually you can you can kind of massage it to say if things work like they are going to work, we're going to have this kind of record in the non-conference. They say it's nearly impossible to do that because you really don't know what anybody's going to have. I mean, you know, you talk to Cy about East Carolina and the impact transfers that that they have that are really um, on paper 
uh, going to change that team. And East Carolina, they're probably really thanking um, th- thanking the stars that that Navy played us first, so they can look at some of these guys on tape that literally they have no other tape on. Um, so I, I think, guys, what what we're really going to see is some surprising quote unquote scores in November because we don't really know what anybody has. I mean, yeah, the you you know the top twenty and the and the top fifteen. You know, you're probably going to have a good idea of those guys and the and the blue bloods and that. But everybody else, um, that's what makes this this kind of year and, and this time of year really, really exciting. Because I think I think there's going to be some teams that are going to be really good in March that aren't going to be very good in November and December because they're trying to figure out how to play play with each other. Yeah, kind of to your point, uh, I guess it was last year Coach Schwartz was talking about, uh, I want to say it was Coppin State and someone – they had transfer in uh, who was extremely productive. And he said uh, that was a late addition. You know, when I scheduled this game, uh, he, he was yeah. not on the Coppin State roster for Juan Dixon. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I, I think it, it's interesting when you think about the, about the landscape. And obviously, I pay a lot of attention to, to, to East Carolina and, and, and what they've done. You know, I think the transfer portal and and you guys have probably talked about this. I think it's really, really going to um, be a good thing for for East Carolina basketball. You guys are like me. I got I got to the eastern part of the state in, you know, now, gosh, 23, 23 years ago and started following East Carolina basketball while covering the local high school teams. You guys have been around there for a long time. And we wonder why with so many darn good prep players in in that that side of 95 why can east carolina you know not have a consistently at the very least slightly above average team and not have a team that's going to be pretty darn good every so often i know conferences have had something to do with that but i think there are some people that that they want to get out of of this side of of 95 you know there's so many other division 1 programs in the state that that some of the really good talent um, from Eastern North Carolina go away. But with the transfer portal and the way that this generation is coming up, maybe guys go away and try that. But as you know, a guy from Goldsboro that was really good went out, came back because he wants to play close to home. He wants to be near his friends. He wants to be in a place where people can, can, can see him play. So I think the geography of ECU is really going to help get some of those guys that went to power fives and however, you know, and for whatever reasons didn't make it. And they'll come down and be really, really good players that quote unquote ECU maybe shouldn't have. But I really think that's going to, that's how they're going to build it. Also too, you know, when you're, when you're a guy, you know, you want to be in a, you, you want to be in a place, you want to be in a good college town. You want to be close for home. ECU fits the bill for all that, particularly when maybe you didn't think too much of it when you were living around it. But then you went out and you saw what was at some other places and came back. So I'm going to be really curious to see. And I think it starts this year. And I really, really like the East Carolina coaching staff. I mean, I mean, you can tell what these guys are about. And I know we've said this for, you know, six coaches, I think, since I've been following the team uh, for, for 20 years. But, but I really think this staff, with the current climate of the transfer portal, and, and how college basketball is and how the student athletes are coming out. I think, believe it or not, this is, this is sort of a, 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 a climate that might have ECU pirate basketball be consistently good. 
Yeah, you know, Chris, I think in I think in many ways it's easier today than it ever has been to actually build a basketball team because it's really like free agency now. It's 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 become a year-to-year sport where you know, you just don't know what teams have, you know, on, on a year-to-year basis. And what I like about ECU this year is they're they're all recognizable faces. They're all guys who have been in the program for the most part. They have some consistency. And if you can I think that's the key in today's game. If you can get consistency within your roster, and then if you can uh, basically utilize the portal to add pieces, one or two pieces here and there, I think that's the best way for the Campbells of the world and the ECUs of the world to build a program. So it's uh, certainly different than it was 15, 20 years ago, to say the least. No doubt, man. And, and, and you know, it, it helps to have, uh, you know, uh, a young, you know, a, I say young because he's younger than me, but like a, a, a young head coach at ECU and, and a young coaching staff that can really not only relate to these guys, but it's it's so interesting because we've seen it at, at all levels in all sports that the, and we've seen it a lot in basketball, the, the name on the Jersey doesn't mean what it did to me and you, you know, we are seeing guys that are staying close to home and they want to play at Memphis instead of North Carolina and Duke and Kentucky and Kansas, that doesn't matter as much to them anymore as what matters in the fact of, you know, um, everybody, everybody has, has awesome practice facilities and everybody has awesome swag and, and awesome uniforms. That stuff is important. And that's where, you know, teams that aren't power five can compete. And if it's a place that's close to home and, and, and comfortable and everybody gets on TV now, you know, at the at the power five level, it is so. And and everybody has a ha, has a creative that's uh, following your every move and and making a promo that that looks like what they have at at Kansas and and Ohio State and Kentucky. So so I, I think you're really right. It's a real it's a real interesting climate for this. And I think you know East Carolina is one of those places if if things fall right and they use the part right and and gosh guys just as we're saying try to keep these guys that you know in eastern north carolina that are really good basketball players playing some really good prep basketball keep them at home um you know you you're not going to keep some of those guys that are that are power 5 guys but if you keep the guys that should be playing at a school like like ECU uh, again, for, for for basketball, you just need five, six, seven of them, and I and I think you're right. Get a couple of those guys, get them to stay, and feed in from the portal, and and you could have something special. And and look, yeah, and I, I mean, it, it it helps with the way the conference is now too. I mean, make no mistake about it. Yeah, and I think I think just to to talk about the flip side of this too is what you just mentioned, keeping guys. You know, you have yeah. a guy all of a sudden that you can get into your program you know, that all of a sudden becomes a, you know, 18 and 10 type guy. Now everybody in the country <laughs> is yeah. going to be going after that player. So it's like, it works for you and it works against you. And, uh, you know, it's just really interesting to see if you can, if you can develop those guys and keep them in your program and continue to add pieces. So, you know, it's just, it's just a, uh, it's like playing chess. I mean, it's just, there's yeah. so many moving parts now. It's crazy. I mean, you guys, we, I mean, I mean, we know it, it's, it's amazing. And it's the, and it's the thing that they've been saying that they've been saying for years, you know, how stressful is it being a college coach when you're, when your paycheck 
um, truly boils down to relying on one convincing a 16 and 17 year old to come and play with you and then to get them to perform. Well, now you're also having to re-recruit them every year and, and, and get them to stay. But as we have seen as well, I think people, and when I say people, student athletes are, are, are now starting to, to figure out that, wait, everybody that goes in the portal doesn't get, um, doesn't get chosen. And, and there are some guys that had a, that had a full scholarship to a pretty good division one school where they were playing basketball that, that aren't doing anything right now. Yeah. We talk about that international influence and um, you certainly see it on the East Carolina roster as well. Uh, Sierra Malonga, Ben, Benjamin Baela, um, Quentin de the Tennessee transfer from France. Uh, and, and then I, I know this is uh, not to get off on a tangent, but the, you talk about having been in Eastern North Carolina, and it's since about the turn of the century, Chris, uh, a name that uh, I think you'll recognize and who's actually uh, living in Charlotte now and not too far from me. And uh, we've traveled to some games together, and uh, he certainly uh, left his mark on Pirate basketball. Um, 6'8", Gabe Mikulas, uh out of Argentina yeah. in Gabe um, was very much um, that stereotypical international player as far as, you know, he was 6'8", and I'm trying to honestly remember uh, seeing Gabe Mikulas dunk a basketball for the Pirates, but but he was uh, just a tremendous player, got to the free throw line on a regular basis, excellent footwork, and uh, he was – unorthodox but found a way to get it done in in the american athletic conference uh, against uh, those tremendous players of the louisville's and cincinnati's yeah and 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 that's what bubba you you know you know because you know i know exactly who that is and i know how he played and i don't think he ever dunked but uh you know too that i know i know people sometimes like to focus on okay what east carolina basketball doesn't have but man You've been in that place when they're playing Cincinnati, when they're playing Memphis, when they're playing Marquette. I'm really I'm really dating myself now. But when they're playing those those big time games against those ranked teams and when that place is packed and the Pirates have a good team, that's a really, really tough place to play and a really, really nice place to see a game and to and to see a college basketball game. I know there's a lot of things that 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 could be better with that arena, but, but, but that's the thing. Basketball is loved so much um, in this state and in Eastern North Carolina. And boy, you really, really want to um, want, want to see it be, be successful. Yeah. Most folks uh, would not believe the type of atmosphere that exists with uh, in Minji's Coliseum, just because it's happened on such a inconsistent basis. Um, you know, you can pick those isolated games just because the Pirates haven't been consistent winners down through the years. But you saw, you know, when they did make a, you know, most folks would laugh, but that CIT run, and you, you had a little taste of success yeah. and you know, w- winning 20-plus games, and uh, the, the tickets were, were selling like crazy once the Pirates caught fire late that tw- 2012-2013 season. Yeah, and, and, and it makes a difference, in, and it's, uh, you know, uh, again, and and we've said this a couple times before, but 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 I really think the right the right coach um, with the right attitude and and really using the transfer portal and being a guy that people will come play for, and then knowing what he has in his backyard 
I think is going to make a big, big difference. So it'll be exciting. You know, Campbell has something to prove, quite frankly, in this in this Kevin McGeehan era. Um, they've they've played some East Carolina teams that they that, that they should have beaten, you know, on on paper and, and on the floor. So so this will be an important game and an important test because, look, look, ECU is a team that on paper Campbell shouldn't be. But it's a you know, it's it's when Campbell's going down there to play to play ECU. It means something. It means something to our fans. Um, and, and it means something really to see how Campbell can match up against a really good, really, really physical power five team. So so it'll be it'll be fun on Saturday. Guys, any any predictions what the spread will be in this game? Uh, <laughs> if I had to guess, uh I don't know. I I was pretty accurate. Well, I thought I was pretty accurate. There, there wasn't a spread. I was pretty accurate with my own spread. Uh, as far as last night against Ferrum, I said the Pirates uh, 29 and a half. We won by 30. So uh, in this game, I don't know. I'd say maybe about maybe about 10 or something. I don't know. Just a style of play yeah. with Campbell. I would think it's going to be uh, in East Carolina. Most of the time, the Pirates are going to be probably upper 60s or low 70s. So I, I'd say maybe 9, 10, 11 points. I don't know. Yep. I was I, I was thinking just 12 came into yeah. uh, came into mind. And again, you're right. Like what, what the style of play, uh, you know, hit, hit the under um, and uh, – <laughs> And and see what happens. All this for recreational purposes, of course, fellas. Of, of course. course, of course. None of us on the on the podcast are, are the betting type. But uh, Chris, <laughs> really appreciate the visit, and um, you know, tell folks how they can follow your work and you know you know hear the hear the broadcast uh, there. I know you have a lot of your broadcasts, at least in the past, have included um, someone who's uh, a member of our team. Um, does a weekly show with Matt, and that is Jay Sonhalter. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, Jay is the best, and uh, and he's down here for uh, for a whole lot of football games. And he started doing basketball games with us for the last for, for the last two or three years. So it's awesome. He's not going to be he's not going to be in Greenville, but you can hear us on GoCamels.com and the and the Varsity and the Varsity Network. Um, so. You know, it's uh, he's a great guy, and um, and again, so many so many great people up there at at, at ECU, and I and I love the fact, but Bubba, that you always uh, make time for us to talk um, Campbell sports, and I know and I know we'll do it again once once baseball season comes around. So um, I wish ECU all of the luck, except for uh, this coming Saturday on the basketball court, and I really appreciate you taking the time to to, to visit with us and and let me talk some some Campbell sports. Hey, no hey Chris, Sir. Chris, really quick, Chris, listen, th- th- this didn't come from me. All right. This did <laughs> not come from me. But when, when, you know, when you get a chance, you got to You got to mess with Sonny a little bit about his college football picks this year. All right. Just be, like, <laughs> just be like, what's up with your college football picks, man? You're slacking a little bit. You're slacking, right, Bubba? Hey, yeah. And then tell, I, him, tell, tell him Semenza said that. And, and then <laughs> Hey guys, I know I know I'm sitting down, but if you have uh, if you have ever seen us, I, I make them sit on a chair when we do um, when we do our our stand ups pregame because uh, the the one time that I had him stand up, I look like his uh, his very much younger brother that came up to his west. So so to his way. So I don't tell Sonny anything, man. You know what? <laughs> Unless it's good job, man. 
thanks for walking into the room with me because people turn and they're like, all right, we're not going to mess with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Take care. Appreciate it, Chris. Take care, my friend. Appreciate it. That is the the voice of the Campbell Camels on the ESPN Plus side of things. Has worn many hats during his time there in Bowie's Creek and appreciate his time, as always, coming on the show to uh, preview the Campbell Camels as they will be at Minji's Coliseum for a 2 o'clock tip-off on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Well, Matt, uh, appreciate uh, everyone tuning in tonight and um, talk pirate basketball for the last 60 to 75 minutes. Um, appreciate Cy Seymour, as always, um, despite, uh, you know, what was a rough day for him, taking time out of his schedule to join us uh, when he was uh, less than 100%. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll join you uh, later on this week, and we'll have Sonny and Semenza, I'm sure, and then uh, also some other content headed your way. We'll have Pirate Basketball Overtime uh, on probably Saturday evening, taking a look back at the Pirates and Camels, hopefully ECU improving to 2-0. and And then uh, you also have the Pirate football playback as East Carolina plays Florida Atlantic on Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Bubba, you know, size like you, you know, he, he wasn't 100% tonight. He played through pain. You yeah. Know, that's what all the great <laughs> ones do. Uh, like the other night, you know, we were doing a show. You were You were on your deathbed. I mean, you were, you you couldn't even talk. You had no voice. You played through it. That's what that's what the great ones do. Uh, I'll use one of Sai's phrases. He he he's that good. <laughs> Sai great man. I mean, he he really is a brings a lot of energy. You know, uh, a lot of positivity, and uh, just a really really good guy, man. So and and obviously Chris as well, another great guy. So two really good guests tonight. I I enjoyed speaking with both of them. And uh, I got to say, Bubba, I'm more excited about ECU basketball this year than I think I've ever been. Um, I really like this team. I I think they have a lot of depth. I think they have some really good pieces, a lot of interchangeable parts, guys that can defend multiple positions. And, you know, I'm really I'm really looking forward to to this game on Saturday night. Just to just again, see what we have and, uh, you know, and, and how it comes together. So it should be fun. Yeah, it should be, and it's a game um, I, I certainly had planned to attend. I mean, but Reese has a has a game on Saturday afternoon, so I will be watching on ESPN Plus. But um, look, looking forward to what will hopefully be on the Pirates' uh, second victory of the season. But uh, you know, for Matt as well as Cy Seymour. And then uh, Chris Haymeyer, you've been watching and listening to the Pirate Preview here on the Sports Objective. We'll talk to you later on in the week. And as always, go Pirates. Every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going.